0: Welcome to the VO School Podcast, dedicated to the art, craft and business of voiceover. Each week builds upon the last to give you a comprehensive understanding of a career in VO. My name's Jamie Muffet, I'm a full-time voice talent and audio engineer, and I'll be joined by some of the industry's top professionals on both sides of the microphone to drill down and dig up the truth. Hello, hello. Welcome to episode 11 of the VO School podcast. Today, we're talking about marketing and branding, and I have two really superb guests on today, Celia Siegel and Doug Melville, and they're two extremely experienced and well-respected marketing professionals. Um, Before we get to it, if you want to connect with us on Facebook, which you should because the community is growing quite rapidly. We've only been going a few weeks and we've got I think over 300 people or around about 300 people right now on the Facebook group. The address is facebook.com slash groups slash VO School podcast. And you can also connect with us on Twitter at VO School Pro. And a little side plug for another podcast that I produce for backstage called In the Envelope. And it's a podcast ostensibly about awards shows, but really it's actually at its heart about acting. And honestly, it's been really career changing for me. Mercifully, I don't present this show, so you can breathe a sigh of relief about that. Interview guests include people like Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Bob Odenkirk, Catherine Hahn, Tandy Newton, Brian Cranston, Elizabeth Moss, Claire Danes, many, many more. So definitely give that a listen to. It's on iTunes and SoundCloud and backstage posts about it. And thank you to Chris Sharps, who has been managing the Facebook group. I wanted to get a quick thank you in there before we begin this episode, because he's doing a fantastic job and deserves some thanks for it. So send him a message, give him an e-high five, or send him some abuse. I think that's all fine. Um, Before we get to the interview, one slight caveat. I don't know where Celia was when she was recording this interview, but she brings a bit of her own foley to this. There's some sound effects in the background of cafe environmental sounds and some footsteps and stuff so enjoy that (laughs) i'm gonna try and rx as much of that out as possible um if you don't know what rx is look forward to a future technology episode and yeah that's pretty much it so sorry i've been babbling on for such a long time here are the bios followed by the interview
1: style Power.
2: You're watching the home of the NFL. The all new iPhone. Reserve your Disney World season pass now.
1: Through all the runny noses, three in the morning coughs,
2: an all new American crime
0: story tonight on FX. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins, and these are just a few examples of
2: the first class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit JMCVoiceOver.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more.
0: Celia Siegel is the founder of Celia Siegel Management, widely recognized for building strong personal brands for voice talent. Before creating CSM, Celia was a respected talent agent, with stints at CESD, JE and Wayman. A brand builder, certified life and business coach, success strategist and talent manager, Celia has advanced the careers of top VO talent for more than two decades. In her first book, Voiceover Achiever, she shares her winning formula for creating standout brands that ignite standout careers. Doug Melville is Chief Diversity Officer for TBWA Worldwide, a top 10 ranked global advertising agency. Since joining the TBWA, he's led efforts that resulted in more than $150 million being spent with multicultural and women-owned businesses in the creative space. He's presented three TEDx talks on the topic and made multiple appearances on Fox Business. Doug was founder of e-commerce website redcarpets.com and he worked alongside Irvin Magic Johnson as president of his agency and VP of his business development and marketing team. Here's my interview with Doug Melville and Celia Siegel. All right, great. So today, I am joined by Celia Siegel and Doug Melville, and they are both marketing and branding experts. So welcome to you both.
3: Thanks for having us on. Yes,
2: thank you. We are here. We are live.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) live in the house. (laughs) Um, So today, we're talking all about marketing 101. So I want to start by defining the terms marketing and branding. Now, these words are used almost interchangeably, but there's, there's some differences between them. So Celia, could you tell me the difference between what marketing and branding is?
3: Great. No, that's a great question. And people so frequently toss those in together. And branding is you and all about you. So that's the thing that you're going to be marketing. And then marketing is the activity of spreading your brand. Spreading the word about you. Right. Um, right. In kind of its simplest breakdown.
0: Yeah. And that's how you see it too, Doug.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it's kind of the uh, marketing, advertising, communications. Uh, I call it the MAC. It's kind of the aggregate of all of them. They, they've kind of all crossed in each other's swim lane in some sense. Digital kind of broke up the swim lanes. So, mm. um, but in a sense, it's about ensuring that you have uh, values you know, your why, you know, your underlying magic, and also, you know, how to reach your market and know your audience. So all that collectively is kind of in the marketing and branding, um, ecosystem.
0: Right. Totally. So, so what comes first then? Presumably the branding has to come first. You know, you take that and then go and market it. Is that, is that how it works?
3: Yeah, definitely. That's a good place to start. And like Doug said, it does all mix together, you know, in your business plan, um, But I always tell people that as far as your brand goes, I mean, it's really just expressing what's already there. Mm. So it's not about making something up or like creating some avatar of what you would like to be, but it's really about authentically telling your story as it stands. Um, So that's a really great cornerstone to your whole voiceover career is what do you stand for? What? Portion of this business are you going to embody? what's yours? Yeah, you know, what's your work? Right. Um, and I think it's th- through thinking about your brand and creating a brand that feels really authentic, it's a, it's just a great place to run your career from,
2: yeah. I think you know if you if you kind of look at historically, we were kind of in uh, you know pre 7 uh, you know, when the iPhone and Android and kind of the mobile revolution came about, it was almost a fake it till you make it. Right. So people were figuring out ways to create personas or find likes or build an audience. But I think now that everything is, is kind of spread out and been democratized, it's more about authenticity. Right. So oh, right. it's being open and honest with who you are, what you are, what you're bringing to the table. Um, there's there, there's almost become two sides to every truth. So if someone can talk to you and they trust you and believe in you. I think that your word is actually starting to get more value and build up more um, capital than in the past, where it was about how many followers you had and did you have Mm -hmm. a contract and what was the arrangement? But I think now it's about that authentic real self and knowing your qualities and traits, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses Uh, knowing what you're good at and what you're great at, and also being coachable. Um, There's a lot of different people Mm. are needed in order for one individual to be successful. And I think that um, we now realize the value of a team when building your own brand or your own marketplace, whether you're a small independent sole proprietor or a larger corporation.
0: Right, because sometimes you will need that team, that outside perspective to get us a, a, a true sense on what you offer because self-reflection is all well and good, but you know, you're sort of, you know, tainted by your own opinion of yourself. Um, and particularly because this is focused on the VO market, um, it's interesting because your business and your personhood are kind of quite intertwined. Um, and your, you know, your personality in some ways is your product. So it really totally. takes a certain amount of, you know, real a self-analysis. To get to that point where you know what you are you know is that true
3: Def- definitely it's sort of the intersection of who you are and being real about that and i think it's right it's, it's the entirety of you it's it's your your shadow side it's what you're good at it's what you're bad at you know sometimes the right. thing that people want to buy from you is Because of your weaknesses, if that makes any sense. You know, so the the really cool thing about voiceover and personal branding is that you are your product. So it's doubly important and just like an interesting space to play in.
2: It's very hard to separate the artist from the art. Hmm. You know, I think, uh, you know, ever since the beginning of time you know, art is a reflection of the artist and you're the sum of your experiences. So it's very hard and particularly in voiceover, it's hard for anybody not to take things personal because your voice is so personal. Your voice is really what you have. Right. So it is very hard and very sensitive to communicate with artists about things that aren't, related to their voice but their brand or other elements of themselves because they have to take it very personally because it's the most personal thing that they have
0: and you mean voice figuratively or literally (laughs) when it comes to yeah well
2: yeah (laughs) both it really is (laughs) both i mean yeah you know before everybody was recording podcasts and doing voiceovers uh voices were something that were just kind of a dissipated into the wind but the mm. people that were there heard it and you had to remember it but now that your voice can be recorded and played for the eternity you know every voice art word sound song movie video ever recorded in humankind is essentially online
1: right yeah.
2: so you know you you can have in your pocket access to unlimited voices. So I think that the power of the voice is actually hitting its stride. it's it's galloping, yeah um especially because podcasts uh, have allowed people to do two things at once. So you could listen and you can also do another activity. So yes, I definitely. think that people are now realizing that multitasking and the voice arts and being a voiceover artist is something that's a lot more attractive to new people and, and newcomers to the industry than it was in years past, at least, at least what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. Celia, have you seen that growth yourself?
3: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been doing this for 29 years, <laughs> which is so crazy, but <laughs> I started out as a talent agent, you know, and then moved into management, you know, so I've watched the industry evolve over the years and it used to be just a handful of people in each city. Yeah doing everything, Um, and now it has exploded into this very accessible career. Um, You know, it's both accessible and ridiculously competitive, (laughs) you know. So it's this sort of paradox there. Um, But absolutely, it's everywhere. And then when you look at, you know, Siri and Alexa and podcasts and commercials and explainer videos and it's it's just everywhere so there's so much work and it is just infiltrating our society and i do think that it's bigger than ever
0: yeah yeah absolutely so doug i want to come back to something you said a little while ago and you talked about um having a team now what team players are you talking about here what are their what roles are you talking about
2: Well, I mean, in our perspective, so, you know, I'm at an advertising agency Mm. uh, and I'm a chief diversity officer. And one of my roles here is to work with our producers and our creative teams to widen the pool of who we use. So can we get some different voices in the room that we haven't used before, or maybe people that on a, a figurative wait list. So I like to take the time to See how we can attract a larger range of voices. Now, with that, people have to stand out and they have to present themselves in the best light possible. And that's really where the team comes in. So mm. I think in some sense, you can make a great website uh, and you can do that either from a template or maybe your manager, or agent or family friend, um you know Wix or Squarespace, WordPress. Um, you, you can kind of make a website, but I think what's most important is the team of networking, you know, right. attending events and networking is actually the most important thing right. because we're in a decentralized business, so that means each producer on each client in each office essentially is running their own production for the creation of media art, which is kind of how we Mm -hmm. communicate our commercial messages. They may be digital or radio and so forth. So you have to know and get out there. And I think attending events is the most important thing uh, that people can do because that handshake and getting out there. So the team starts even well before you've put together your day-to-day operational people And it starts with you going out there and attending events, Um, also keeping a fresh blog, something very important. So even though that's a writing structure, it's important to see what you're doing and and make notes so people can know what you're doing uh, in this space. Because we look at freshness. How often Mm -hmm. are you used? Are you you relevant? Are you in the market? Um, And then once you start doing that, then you have to work on your management team. You have to work on who represents you. So it, it's a little bit of a chicken and egg when you get started, like all industries, when you're the first generation in your family to do something. Mm. But I think really it's it starts with putting one foot in front of the other and attending events, keeping a blog, making case studies of all the work that you have, and then working to get a manager and an agent, uh, and then getting out there and figuring out kind of where your career is going to sail.
0: Right. Cool. And Celia, you, you have a team of people that work with you to, uh, help your clients. So what does your team look like?
3: Um, so I have on my team, Marnie Lee is my copywriter. So all of the brands that you can see on my website, we conceptualize that, you know, along with the talent, we have a brand finder and then Marnie and I, um, co-create all of the writing. And that would include the writing on your website, um, anything you're putting out there. Mm. Um, I have a a couple of virtual assistants just so I can kind of keep my plate clean and be creating brands and connecting with my clients. Martha Khan does sales for me. So helping spread the word and uh, sell my talent around to different uh, buyers And then I have a couple of online people who create um, e-cards and researchers who research my mailing list. So we really try to create a team for my clients where we're doing all of this marketing and branding for them, helping them with their agent relations, making sure everything's running really smoothly because, um, you know, the talent need to wear so many hats. Yeah. Um, that we like to take that off of their plate. So they're like, oh, I have a team. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm just like, you get behind the microphone and audition beautifully, you know, coach with great coaches, hone your skills. Um, I would consider that a part of the team, also, is those coaches that we refer people to, because that is really the primary thing that a talent has to do is be awesome. So yeah, I just like to keep people in their zone of of playfulness, um, recording jobs, reading auditions.
0: That's the dream really for a voice talent is to just to be able to do the voicing and not have to worry about all that other stuff because you guys are so good at that and <laughs> you know, that's your area of expertise and really it's, it's much harder than I think people expect when they're going in. But Doug, you were going to say something to that?
2: Yeah, what I was going to say is I really think this conversation is valuable because Celia is essentially the seller and I'm essentially the buyer.
3: Right. Totally. Right.
2: So I think that this is, conversations like this don't often happen. And when they do, they're not involved or engaged enough for people to really take things away. But when we when when we look at talent, sometimes the talent is recommended to us. Sometimes they're auditions. Sometimes the director has preferences or the producer. So there's many ways that, the voice can be set on. And then if you want to use a celebrity voice or a well-known voice, you know, mm. it kind of goes on and on. But I essentially have some rules for businesses that I, I that I try to tell them. Um, it's called digital breadcrumbs. And these are just simple tips that everybody um, can take and do. Mm. And I think, you know, one, they're alphabetical. So the first was attend events and the second was blog and the third was create a case study. But then after that, it's setting Google alerts for, for auditions and your competition. So you could see what's showing up on the internet. Right, it's making yeah. an effective LinkedIn page because LinkedIn just integrated with Microsoft. So now um, oh. when you get ready to type an email on certain versions of O365 and office, the individual's LinkedIn page shows up on the right side right. of the screen automatically. Mm-hmm. It's, oh. it's about, making sure that your website is mobile friendly because over half of all the people looking are on a mobile device, but sometimes the margins are weird. Sometimes people don't update the small 2016, 17, 18 copyright at the bottom. There's a lot of little nuances that people aren't doing that if a professional who works on Madison Ave or in Hollywood looks at them, thinks that they're not put together or they're not detail oriented. Now, will that affect your audition? Is that a reflection of the work? It's all subjective, but buying a voice is like buying art. Nice. And you don't know what the buyer is looking at, so it's in, it's very important to work with companies like Celia to get your brand packaged and delivered in a way that it is Madison Ave and Hollywood ready, and then you have to do the work after that. But I think people just think it's a little I'll just shoehorn this together and it won't be that big of a deal or the website's not that important but the real the reality of it is it's very very important
0: so i just love to dig in there a little bit into your process because it's fascinating from my side of the the sort of the table here um if you're in a meeting and you're running through some ideas of a campaign that you're you know pushing to a client Mm. and you're thinking about voices for a project um are you going online and researching things or do you go, oh, I want this John Krasinski style voice and then you just hand it off to a, an intern to find a person or you're really getting involved, you know?
2: You know, it really depends. But but if we have a voice that we want or if there's a stanza of a poem and we want to get the original author's voice, or is right. that author alive or past? Is someone currently in the marketplace that epitomizes that voice mm. do we want an actor or a talent or uh, a vo that that's kind of a household name or do we want a rising star
1: right. do
2: we want uh several voices so it's regional do we want um someone in one element of the campaign but not another element so right it it, it so varies and i think that's the hard part of buying art Mm. Every single person that walks into that gallery is looking at something different. You know, a a friend of mine uh, opened a restaurant and uh, told me that the hardest part about the restaurant is that everybody sits down and has a different item that they're looking at to judge the restaurant is the napkin folded. Yeah. is the fork clean is there something on the glass was the restroom okay was the waiter polite you know and he and he would tell me that it's very hard to know so that's why people in the restaurant industry are constantly making sure everything's perfect because it's hard for you to understand the trigger of the guest and i think when you look at talent buyers or people that are looking and seeking for voices or any art but in particular this voiceover conversation we also must be aware of all those elements. And I think that if you're in a voiceover career and you're kind of in that beginning stage, so your plane's about to take off, you're not above the clouds coasting, working with people like Celia is so important because you have a life coach, you have a weight trainer, you you have all these different people that help you in life. The same thing goes for this part of the career. And then once you're above the clouds, You know, that's a whole nother level of maintenance that you need to do um, where there's different challenges and and different opportunities. So I just think that when you look at this segment overall, now that the barrier of entry has been lowered, the competition is strong and you have Mm. to at least stand up enough above the crowd so people can see you and more importantly, hear what you have to offer.
0: Right, right. So Celia, then when you're... um speaking with a voice talent and coming up with a brand you're considering all this stuff this is stuff that's running through your brain you're not only thinking about it from you know how what makes sense in terms of the talent's personality and their branding but how that comes across to an ad executive and then the ultimate client it's it's a lot of things to juggle
3: absolutely and i just think i mean that's why i love my job so much is because i love working with actors And I've done it my whole career. And I found that this is the piece that I know how hard talent work. And I just really believe that if you get this piece right um, with this, you know, really savvy group of people we're selling to, um, then everything else gets easier. You know, so I always tell my clients, you know, if we get this piece right, well, then when you're sleeping or you're out at a party, your brand is out there working for you. You know, it's making you look good. Of course, you have to be able to back that up, but it is an amazing way to rise above the crowd. So, Doug, I love all of your analogies about buying art. Yeah. um, Because I do think, you know, each individual is so special, you know, and it's about moving somebody, you know, through visually how you're presenting yourself, how you sound. And this is just a really amazing way to do it. You know, it's just like a you're layering on um, reasons for people to say yes and to choose you.
2: Yeah, and, and you know, and 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 the thing is, is that most people don't work in their creative industries for their life for their career. So they look at things linear Is there a procurement department? Is there a centralized resource? But in the creative space, everything is judged and is subjective. And Mm. I think that that makes the artist's job very hard, but it also goes back to the authenticity. You have to be who you are, and you have to be confident. You have to be secure. You have to be committed. And then you also have to ask yourself, are you going to be market-driven? So, are you going to look reactively to what the market is hiring? If there are hundreds and hundreds of jobs to read local audio car dealership ads, the market is driving that. Is that something that you want to be the best at because you know there's always going to be opportunities? Or do you want to be creatively different and have companies come to you because you offer a unique opportunity? So, those are two different runways of success one is filling a need, and one is Building a need, and I yes. think that when you are an uh, independent contractor or sole proprietor or business or entity, those are very important decisions at the beginning of your career. Do you want to fill demand or do you want to build demand, then fill demand? Because it's a two-step process where many times companies can get caught up. You know, even on the highest level, you would say Yahoo built search engines, and then filled the need, but then Google waited for them to build the whole infrastructure, and then they came in second. You could say Blimp sub built demand for Subway sandwiches over hamburgers, and then you could say that Subway came in and filled the need better than they did. So I think there is a risk and a reward for building demand and then filling it where there's a kind of straight path if you just feed what the market is giving you.
0: That's great. And I like those two different directions because I, I can recognize that in the voiceover industry very much. Some people are very much very good at fulfilling a very specific trend that happens at any one time. And then other people are quite niche. So going off of that, actually, Doug, I want to ask you a question real quick. Um, how many times do you write a spec for a voiceover that you want and then you find it in the auditions that you get sent and go, right, that person perfectly personifies that versus you write a spec and you kind of you predict what you're gonna get and then someone comes in completely out of left field and you you'll see or hear something and go, Wow, I never thought of that. That's just a really interesting perspective on it. And you go with that option.
2: Well, me personally, um, I don't listen to the specs, but what I can tell you is This would vary by clients. So sometimes clients say, let's try something we haven't seen or haven't heard. Mm. Um, We're in, we're the disruption company. So we try to bring difference Mm. and alternative to the table in a way that is, uh, builds the vision for a brand and it defies convention. And it's something that's very disruptive and sticky. But it all depends because some clients would like to go in that direction, and I think they fall under the same metric we just spoke of. And then some just want to kind of go with a good, safe voice and talent. They don't want this to be a political message. They don't want this to go Mm. viral. They just want to know their audience, target it specifically, and go on to the next piece of media art. And then some clients go, you know what, I'm looking at the fringes, I'm looking at the trends, I'm looking at the strategy, and I'm saying to myself, let's do something that's wow. So even in that element, because we are a representative or an ally with our clients, they, on their end, also have creative teams, producers, CMOs. So the process even goes through us one more level up.
0: Right that make that makes sense yeah um so Celia um this may seem like a really stupid question and it may well be a stupid question No such thing Okay we'll we'll, we'll see <laughs> Does your branding have to match the sound of your voice so if you have a really deep manly voice for example if you just wanted to go a light bright fluffy route is that ridiculous or is would that be a funny sort of interesting juxtaposition or does it really have to match in that way
3: no that's a great question i mean it's all so custom you know so Mm. it just depends um Mm. like on the face of that question i would say yes when your brand what you're saying about yourself and visually what your collateral material looks like um when it matches your voice you're like oh Yes, Mm. it builds trust. Like I've had situations in the past where, um, you know, I listen to stuff all the time and people send me stuff and somebody sent a website and it was of this like teeny bopper, you know, this photo. And then I listened to her voice and she, you know, definitely was not a teeny bopper. And I was so disappointed. Like I was like, ooh, that's not serving you well. That's not good branding. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, other times a guy with a deep voice yet, yeah, you know, yes, it needs to match. Mm. Can you do something fun and bring humor and edge to it yeah. where you're somehow, you know, making a joke? Absolutely. Right. Um, but, but all in all, I would say the job of your brand is to look the same as you sound.
0: Yeah, because you don't necessarily want to feel like you're tricking anyone. You don't want to like. no. Have someone go to your website and bring you into your website, thinking it's one thing, and then the sound comes and right. it's like, "Whoa!" Like, where did that oh,
3: come from? hey, twenty-year-old guys are really popular, so I'm going to brand myself yeah. <laughs> to, to my demo, you know. And then you're a baby boomer, you know. That's not going to bode well for anybody's uh, desire in 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 checking you out.
0: Right, right. Yeah, do, have you have you had that experience, Doug?
2: I think that as we, as the more and more we have this conversation, I feel that it's inspirational because no matter what voice you have, you can build it and create a unique opportunity for it. Right. But on the, and on the other hand though, every, everyone has a a voice, but not everybody has a vote. And I think that's Mm. where we have to look at this. Everyone has a voice, but not everybody has a vote. So you have to know, who you're speaking to or who's listening to your material that can help vote and get you to the next level and get you to the next step. Because it is so subjective, it is so decentralized. It's really hard to have, I mean, you have people walking down the street that someone could stop them and say, oh my gosh, you know, th- your voice is amazing
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: and get them into a demo studio. And record them it's almost like finding a musician in a smoky nightclub kind yeah. of analogy yeah. but then you have someone who's put ten thousand dollars into their demo tape mm. they have the best studio they never recorded anything on a mobile device and they can't buy an opportunity yeah. right so it, it's, it's really it's just so hard to know
0: well um Celia, you have offered to give a listener of the show a brand audit and we're going to be recording it and putting it out in a future episode, which is super exciting. We get to sort of be a fly on the wall with that. Um, And we're running a search for our victim. (laughs) So (laughs) if you'd like to put your name forward as a guinea pig, be sure to connect with us on social media and like us on Facebook and Twitter and then send us a message Um, detailing why you would be a good candidate and i'll pass them over to celia and celia will choose someone so celia what is a brand audit
3: so a brand audit is i have people send me whatever materials that they're using right now to put themselves out there so your Mm. demos i mean your demos you should think about your brand in the way you have your demos produced and, and what kind of content is on there your website is the best way um, and yeah. anything you're using to promote yourself. And then we can listen to your demos, do a little interview about who you are authentically and mm. sort of what brand you could think about putting out there. And then we're going to look at what you are putting out there and see if there's a disconnect.
1: Right.
3: Um, so, yeah, it's it's a pretty fun little lively exercise. So anybody yeah. who's interested in, in kind of combing through their brand, send it on over.
0: Yeah. And I can't wait to do that. It's going to be, so, it's going to be so interesting.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, I, I was going to say another thing that I, I think would be a good takeaway for the listeners is everybody needs to have three people in order to be successful. You need to have a mentor, an advocate and a coach. So your mentor is a North star. This is someone who is one level above you, who's doing exactly what you want to do or paving the way for a lane that you want to create. You have to notify and identify who that person is and get on their roadmap and on their radar. The advocate is an insider. This is Mm. someone who works in the organization. Someone like myself who Celia could call. If she has a client, I could say, well, X, Y, Z, X, Y, Z, I want them to win. And I'm an insider and I can understand the things that they need to do to at least get to the point where they should be. And then the coach, you know, Muhammad Ali had Bodini Brown and he would sit in this corner and say, you're the champ. There's nobody better than you. You're the greatest of all time. And every time he would get out of the ring, he would be in his ear. And we need that person too. Yeah. So I think totally. those three people are need to be on your team and need to be identified and need to be in your corner as you're going along in your career all the way up into the top.
0: I love it. So do you still have those people, Doug?
2: Yes, I have my mentor, I have my advocate, and I have my coach. That's amazing. Celia?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Always. Definitely always mentoring with somebody who's further along than i am um definite advocate and i definitely work with coaches
0: yeah because we all we all need encouragement and at the same time everything's constantly changing and swirling isn't it
3: totally and i think for the actors you know that mindset piece um mm. i just wrote a book about um oh, yeah. branding and it's called voiceover achiever brand your vo career change your life Right. Um, And it's really about when you get your brand right, your mindset starts to fall in place. And for voice actors, they sound like what their mindset is leading them towards in an audition or a gig. Right. So I think any work that as talent you guys can do to like a an athlete, you know, an elite athlete, like getting in that zone with your mindset, you're just going to do better, you know, so all of these things help that um, like i love I love Doug's mentor advocate coach, yeah, um, any kind of mindset work you can do,
2: being authentic
3: and getting your brand right gets you in the right mindset to win the gig. I think that's really important,
2: So, I would also say one more thing, social media mm. you know. Who is fo- how many followers you have, and your influence does also show up sometimes for local or digital campaigns. Right, you know people yeah. want to know that they are hiring someone who has a voice, who has a following. Mm-hmm. And I remember um a few years ago at the Voice Arts Awards, this conversation came up. We yes. were on a panel, and the conversation was, our talent and booking agents looking at how many followers you have before they commit to you. And there was no hard and fast answer, but the reality was they're checking it. Mm. And whether it's used in an overall kind of checklist of, is this person the right one? I tell everybody your social media is like a benefit of the doubt credit, right? Two people are tied. Both of them could do the job well. Both of them auditioned and they really are neck and neck. The social media will sometimes push people over. That gives them the benefit of the doubt. Mm. So not something that shows up in the beginning, but maybe at the end it's the one thing that can be a differentiator.
0: And that's also the content as well, isn't it? I mean, if you're gonna be if you post controversial things, that might dissuade someone from hiring you.
3: Or it might be you being authentic, you know, and pulling in your tribe. Mm. Um, So I always have my clients, you know, stay away from the really rough stuff, but don't be afraid to be controversial in your brand or your persona, because if you start trying to please everybody out there, you're just a beige wall as far as branding goes. Right. So Mm. it really is okay to be expressive.
2: Um, And it's also realized how many people are out there and that are competitive. Now you have the international market. have all these huge markets but also know your market because if you speak for the lgbt community you need to be working with glad working with Mm -hmm. the hrc going to local chapters and events maximizing all the voices you can for pride websites i think part of the time is people aren't even being true to their niche right you know people say Mm -hmm. that they're part of a group but you know if if you are part of the people that are have different abilities or if you're part of the Hispanic community, the Latin American community, black community, you should at a very minimum be working with organizations that directly target your niche to get that work and to actually give your voice a little bit more amplification. So I think knowing your niche specifically is another opportunity that people should be a little bit more aware of and take a little bit more heed to.
0: Right. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, I'm going to uh, get on here because I don't want to keep you guys any longer. Um, I got a couple more questions and then I have a few questions from the audience. I reached out last night and we have a few questions here. So my penultimate question is, how often should you change your brand and why would you?
3: I see because I've been doing this for so long. Um, I love it that you just use the word penultimate, by the way. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> That's fantastic. That's a good one. (laughs) That should go in your brand.
0: (laughs) The Um, penultimate (laughs) voice talent on the internet.
3: (laughs) (laughs) If you can't get Hugh Grant, uh, the penultimate (laughs) voice talent. Um, So um, this comes up, and I've been doing this long enough that I've got clients. I have one client that I've worked with for the last 29 years, I was her agent in Minneapolis. I was her agent at CESD. Then I've been her manager forever. And we morph for her brand every five years. Mm. So when you think about brands in the marketplace, you know, the more well-known you become and the bigger your career grows, you need to tweak your brand to reflect that. Right. You know, look at having to change it up at least every five years, just a little switch. Sometimes it's more like every three years.
2: Yeah. And you have to keep it fresh, you know, because we're also people, not products. Mm -hmm. You know, and at the reality of the situation is it's hard to... You know, look at someone and say, hey, you know, you just need to refresh, you need to rebrand, you know, so it, again, it goes back to the very personal elements of it. So it's just important that you stay fresh and stay relevant and stay, you know, hip to the details. I mean, just mm-hmm. look at the creative industries, what font you use. What yeah. color is your website? Is an infinite scroll versus left to right? Is it mobile? You know, there's a lot of small things that just come up over and over again. Mm. Um, one tip I say to people is that they should absolutely go to a private browser on their phone or their desktop, one that doesn't have any cookies or history, and Google themselves right. and see yeah. what comes up. Do you need to add a middle initial? Do you need to put a junior? Do you have you know, there's a website called howmanyofme.com and you Mm -hmm. can go in there and type in your first and last name and it pulls up all the people in the United States with your name. You know, Mm -hmm. you should at least know how many of you there are. You know, there's 13 Doug Melvilles, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's good. It's good for me to know that. But again, it's all of these little details matter to keep your brand fresh and relevant, um, you know, and, and keep your voice something that's still has a place in the market
0: right as a side note the only other Jamie Muffet that I know in this country runs strep clubs which is oh, slightly no. annoying so <laughs> luckily I don't get
2: to... <laughs> <laughs> to that point though there's a website called brandyourself.com and it was started by a group of entrepreneurs out of Syracuse University um Based on a similar story, someone had their name and kept getting a lot of DUIs. So what it is is that you go and pay a fee, and it moves all the links that are disparaging to the last page of the Google search instead of the first page. Oh. Mm-hmm. So you know there there are a lot of things out there. If you just kind of look around and and take a minute to see, but uh, there are a lot of ways to kind of ensure that you're shown in the best light, uh, at least digitally, because things online do last forever.
0: Can you do that for your competitors? (laughs) (laughs)
2: That's a a good question. That's a good question. (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) Um,
0: So my final question um, before I get to audience questions is, are there any marketing no-nos that you regularly see that make you cringe?
2: You know, I just think people... I I just would say my overall marketing no, no is I'm good at everything. Right. Uh, Mm. They don't, people don't know how to tell their own story is I see it all the time. Mm. It's religiously uh, unbelievable. It's, it's of the, of the world of, You are spending your whole life doing something and then someone asks you to tell your story and you can't even correctly enunciate it or tell or share your story. So I think that's a huge problem uh, is people can't tell their own story or don't know how to succinctly do it. They don't know what they're great at. Mm. Um, You know, they just know that they're good at many things, but there's a difference between good versus great. Right. there's a lot of people that are good but only few that are great so I think those things kind of show up to me as not being able to tell your story and not knowing what you're great at would be my two no-nos right
3: mm-hmm. I mean I would say when you hit the ground and are marketing really hard with a really crappy brand that always makes me cringe right. um, you know so if your website looks like it was built in 1993 or is like totally not appealing, but you're like marketing, marketing, marketing it. I'm always like, Oh, don't do that. (laughs) Um, And then the other one is, you know, marketing is all of these things and social media and what you're sending out and what, you know, what your brand looks like and how you're getting that brand in front of people. Um, And to just be really aware, Um, you know, it's all like a big party, Mm. you know? So Mm -hmm think about the social cues of how you would behave, um, at a party, you know, and don't just shove it down people's throats. Like it's a give and take, you know, so you have to have sort of a a sixth sense about how much is enough Mm. and what is too much. And I will say to the acting community, you guys almost always quit too soon. You're so worried about bugging somebody or being too much in somebody's face where you're like, oops, I sent out Mm -hmm. a thing and nobody got back to me. So I guess I'm done. Mm
0: -hmm. I thought you were going to say the opposite about actors that they were too in your face.
3: (laughs) I mean, some are, but it's just a handful. I think most people get too polite about it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there is that old adage of, you know, it used to be, you know, people need like six touches before they buy. You know, now Mm -hmm. it's like, A lot more than that because our attention span is so short so you can show up a bunch of times like don't give up on yourself as long as you know that your talent is great and your brand is great um you're solving a problem for somebody when they find you being the right voice
0: okay great okay so let's get a couple of audience questions in now so zach alleman asks as someone who is new but nonetheless motivated to make this my career how soon should my initial marketing push begin When should I create a website, for example?
3: You know, immediately. Mm. Um, And, you know, people ask me all the time, you know, one step beyond that is when should I do my brand? You know, and whatever you put out there, that is your brand. So I say take control of it right away. Do the work. Figure out who you are. um, And you should have a website right away. You know, as soon as you have a great demo to put on it because you only have one chance to make a good first impression.
2: Right. The what I think pe- people just need to realize that they're on the second they walk outside their house. Right. They're being evaluated and you know the show begins as soon as they ring the doorbell.
1: <laughs> 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 people
2: are looking and observing and you know to that caller's advice I would say realize you don't know what people are looking at. So you just you just have to realize that if you don't have a website and that's part of your covert operation, that's fine. But if you want to go into the marketplace, go into the marketplace correctly. Right. Yeah. Just just keep everything buttoned up would be my advice. Right.
3: Totally. And also I would say to Zach that, you know, all of this is prefaced by you have to be really competitive, you know, so that mm. training comes first. So you have to know when is the right time to put yourself out there. Right. Um, and as soon as you know you're competitive, then you pull the trigger on all of this stuff.
0: Cool. Okay. So final question, and it's a very quick one. Um, Jason Leach wants to know, and it's sticking to this same subject. What does a potential employer want to see on your website?
3: I mean, they're the there
0: work, to the hear work, the work.
3: Yep. They're there yeah. to hear your demos. Yeah. So yeah. Um, all of this other stuff—it's just you trying to woo them.
0: As a voiceover actor, does it matter what you look like? Does it? Do they even need to see a picture? Is it—is that crucial?
2: Uh, I, in our world, I would say, from my standpoint, no. But that—that that, it would probably be a little bit different for Celia. But from mm. my standpoint, no. Okay.
3: Yeah, we used to say no, it's irrelevant. But now mm. the secret is out. <laughs> you know, yeah. we all look <laughs> at each other all the time, so. I always tell my clients if your look is on brand to the way you sound, use it. If your right. look is like, fills a trend, um, you know, if there's a trend in voiceover where they're, you know, it's all about the 20 year old guy, if you're a 20 year old guy, put your picture on there. Yeah. Um, so it just depends. Um, so I would say about half the time I have clients use their photo.
0: Right. And the reason not to might be, You may have a 20 year old sounding voice, but if you're in your mid forties, that, that might clash. Yeah.
3: I mean, that's part of the beauty of this career is it's not about what you look like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that pretty much covers everything. So unless you guys have any final thoughts, uh, we can wrap it up.
2: Uh, my final thought is believe in yourself because if you don't do it, no one else will and onward and upward. Awesome.
3: Yep. And remember to have fun being an artist you know so the more fun you have the better you're gonna sound
0: (laughs) brilliant well Celia Siegel Doug Melville thank you so much for coming on that was a really really fascinating interview and uh yeah just thank you
3: Oh,
2: thank Thank you you for for having having us us.
3: (laughs) a lot of fun all right thank you take care we'll see everybody on the brand audit
0: Okay so I had a huge intro so I'm going to back off especially as I read something the other day someone was moaning about how long intros are on podcasts so it kind of made me want to do an extra long one just to annoy them but I'm going to keep the outro short (laughs) mercifully so thank you Celia and Doug that was an amazing interview that's certainly going to change my approach to my marketing and branding and I think that should do for you too and it was interesting that really there's no sort of point at which it's too early to begin this journey. As I mentioned in the episode, Celia has very kindly offered to do a brand audit to one of our listeners. And to be considered for that, you have to be a follower on Facebook and Twitter. And you can send me a message through either of those explaining why you would be a good candidate for this. So maybe you have an interesting story as to why you've entered the voiceover industry You have something unique that you want to explore I'm not sure how Celia is going to choose the person but you have to be willing to do this in a recorded fashion because we're going to put it out as an episode or at least part of an episode so definitely get your submissions in for that and this week is thanksgiving so if you're listening to this around the thanksgiving holiday happy thanksgiving and next week is the long-awaited business episode I think that should be a pretty good one. Got two really, really excellent people for that. So I'm supposed to be keeping this brief, so I'll speak to you next time. Bye. Many thanks to this week's guests, Doug Melville and Celia Siegel. Thank you also to J. Michael Collins and Backstage Magazine. Join us next time for another class.